Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, piloting the ship into 2024, our first episode of 2024, uh, doing it solo again for right now. Uh, got some stuff in the works, but for right now, uh, we are going to be hitting this very first episode of 2024 solo. Should be a fun one, though. We are, um, like I said, this, this this month is kind of immune to the rest of the the rest of the copycat stuff that we're going to be doing all year long. Uh, so this month is a little bit immune to it. Um, we're going to be covering some of the same ground, but uh, we're calling this month loose ends. And we're just going to get to stuff um, that I forgot to cover during the course of the year or want to expound upon or whatever. Just felt like there was some more meat on the bone, um, or, you know, or there's a loose end that I have to tie up uh, with this particular subject. So that's what this whole month is going to be. And decided to kick off this Decided to kick off this month with um, something that we normally cover in the year in review. We normally get through a, um, you know, we normally get through our typical sort of, uh, you know, what did you think about the episodes? What would you have done differently? We kind of, you know, we basically did all that stuff in the in the year in review episode, although it was a little bit different um, given the, um, a little bit different given the, um, the kind of odd nature of how I had to record everything last year and, you know, it being the first year where everything was, you know, very, very much, you know, I was very much solo, you know, with uh, obviously with uh, some exceptions there where I had guests or guest hosts, uh, I was very much solo the entire year. So it was much more of a reflexive year interview episode, just kind of thinking about uh, my personal performance and the, the stuff, the stuff that I did and how it felt to kind of go through that whole year alone. So the thing that we bypass that we normally do we normally do a, a list of, of favorites. Um, you know, we we have like a favorite movie, TV show, and we would kind of break it down into stuff that was new to us, but, you know, maybe not new necessarily that we enjoyed. We get recommendations on like social media follows and that kind of stuff. So I'm just going to kind of condense this down for this mini-sode into just a, a very comprehensive sort of deal. Like, I don't, I don't think you need to, you don't, I don't think you need to know my favorite movie that was new this year and also my favorite movie that I that, that was new to me this year, right? Like, I don't think you need that kind of depth in, into things. So I'm just going to kind of combine them and I'm going to give you two separate sort of, um, two separate lists here. My first are my favorites. Uh, I'm going to give you my favorite movie, TV show, album, uh, social media follow, and pop culture wild card of the year. Uh, and then I'm going to give you the, all the stuff that I was annoyed by. Uh, and this is not necessarily... Uh, there's gonna be a there's gonna be some movie stuff in here, but it's just basically kind of going through the whole of pop culture to find you the stuff that I was annoyed by, and that's it. That's it. That's all we're gonna do for this mini episode. I hopefully I can wrap this up in under thirty minutes. You know, shooting for twenty five, but certainly hopefully in under thirty minutes. I don't think I need to get that deep into some of this stuff. Um, so we'll see. I, I do. I know I have a very terrible problem uh, with being long winded. So. I'm going to try to pare this down a little bit so we can get uh, so we can get this mini-sode out of the way. So, uh, let's see. Good luck to me on that one. All right, so let's jump into some of my favorites from this past year. And I'm going to start off with, um, let's see here. I'm going to start off with album. Um, and this is not a new album. This is, uh, in fact, this is an album that, as of this year, will now be 30 years old. Which uh, makes me sad and, and depressed for for so many reasons. But... A, a, a soon-to-be 30-year-old album, uh, and that is, uh, this This past year I really got back into, 
I, I'm always, I've always been a big heavy metal fan, but more recently I've gotten back into 90s metal um, and uh, even in, in some cases even some new metal. Um, and that is that is kind of, per, for me at least, kind of personified by this particular album, and that is Korn's self-titled 1994 album. Um, you know, it has songs like uh, Blind, uh, Shoots and Ladders, uh, Faggot, uh, excuse my French there, um, but that is one of the song titles, although it's spelled wrong. Um, this was, uh, this was an, this was sort of the, this was definitely kind of right before, um, right before the emergence of new metal, probably about like a year or two before the emergence of new metal. And there's something especially, Korn's first couple albums, but especially this first album that is very, um, that I, I, you know, I, I wasn't a teenager yet, but still kind of spoke to that young person, nineties angst. Uh, very very well and the a lot of the songs uh, you know touching on what it's like to kind of be an outcast and what it's like to be someone who's on the outside of the popular group or whatever um, as, as a young person who which I, I very I don't want to say I very much was it's not like I was some like like weirdo uh, <laughs> uh, weirdo sitting in the back of the classroom picking his nose or whatever but as someone who was never the most popular kid um, stuff like corn definitely was right up my alley just simply because these were and and that's why metal in general is up my alley uh, a lot of a lot you hear like a lot of the, the backstories for people who uh you know were in are in metal bands or you know also like metal music it just it speaks to you because it is kind of it is the outcast music it is the it is the the weird kid music and corn was very much corn you know they very much are a bunch of weird kids um at least they were 30 years ago and it was just kind of like fun to see the weird kids uh, make the fucking grungy, angsty, awesome, intense music about being the kind of um, about being the kind of exiled outcast kids. So. So it's kind of, it, you know, working on two levels for me, just that kind of reminder of um, reminder of uh, of like the reminder of like where you came from, I guess, in terms of, uh, of why I even enjoyed Corn in the first place. And I still listen to Corn now. Um, even though their music has changed radically over the years. Um, so some of it, I, I'd say most of it, I'm kind of mild on, but when it comes to, when it comes to quote unquote, old corn stuff that was made before the two thousands, um, this shit rocks corn, the, their first album, absolutely fucking rocks. Uh, it's great workout music. It's great. It's great. Um, it's great music for when you just feel like you need to like, listen to something that is just a little bit ragey. Um, this core, this first, this first album, this self-titled album from Corn, definitely fits that bill. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, certainly, um, you know, certainly there's, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to like impugn Corn because like they, they definitely are. I, again, I still listen to them, uh, you know, besides this album, I still listen to their other albums, but I do think that once we get to, I, I believe it's follow the leader, then like things kind of get a little bit weird with them where they started covering uh, funk songs, which weren't bad. I mean, the covers weren't bad. It was just very much like, what is going on here? Um, they had a, they had an album that was very, um, oh gosh, into, there's very, um, you know, almost like it was produced by, actually Skrillex might've been on a song. Um, you know, it was that kind of electronic music. So um it's they they do get a little bit weird, but um, if you go back to 1994, or if you excuse me, if you uh, if you flip on their their first album from 1994, you'll be transported back to a time when Corn just rocked ass and rocked it hard.
Let's move into uh, my favorite TV show of this past year. And um, again, not a new TV show. Uh, in fact, my first, my movie TV show and albums I just went through, they're all older. Um, they're, you know, they, they, these things are very much sort of new to me, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, the Korn album wasn't new to me. But uh, anyway, TV show, uh, I am a, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't know this about me, I am a huge, huge sketch comedy fan. Uh, grew up watching besides SNL, um, you know that that uh, that early early '90s era of SNL was sort of like my first introduction to sketch comedy, um, and then shortly after that, uh, Comedy Central was reshowing uh, Kids in the Hall, which is my all-time favorite. Um, you know, it moving on from there, SCTV. Um, more recently, got into uh, Mitchell and Webb. Uh, both of their different sketch series. Uh, so I'm I'm a huge huge sketch sketch comedy fan. Um, you know, also gosh, I left off Mad TV. There's just a, a bunch of other ones that that over the years have come and gone that I that I have bothered to watch simply because I love the format so much. So it was really I was really surprised to see um, this particular show pop up. There used to, it was on IFC about a decade ago uh, for a couple of seasons. And uh, full disclosure. They have a fantastic podcast that I've recommended before called The Sloppy Boys. In fact, they're The Sloppy Boys are also a, a party rock kind of parody band. Uh, but before that, they were part of a they were part of a comedy troupe called The Birthday Boys, and they had a show on IFC uh, produced by Bob Odenkirk, who is uh, very much in the first season, uh, quite a bit, probably about half the episodes, maybe more than half the episodes. Uh, but The Birthday Boys, um, it's it's the kind of sketch comedy where a lot of sketch comedy kind of builds towards a sort of crescendo um, of absurdity. This kind of very often the sketch starts at absurd and then gets and then kind of manages to get in a very logical way, get more absurd. Um, you know, there was a there was a sketch. I just watched an episode recently um, where uh, it's like an old it was an old logging town um, where they're where they're about to all lose their jobs. They're being put out of business. And, it, you know, it kind of has that feel of like the, you know, like the evil company, the the corporate profits are why they're going to lose their jobs or whatever. But it's actually this, it's actually, it turns into a complete sort of Caddyshack riff uh, because uh, a beaver is eating all of the, is eating all the logs before they can actually get them off the, uh, you know, off the logging site. And it, it gets, I am not doing this get, I'm not doing this get justice at all. It gets even weirder than that. Um but it but it may but it manages to be hilarious every time it gets weirder and weirder, and that's what I really really enjoy about the Birthday Boys the maintaining the maintaining the weirdness all the way through you know kind of starting it from a high level of weirdness and maintaining it all the way through it's absolutely fantastic if you have Amazon Prime I, I yeah it's, uh, if you have Amazon Prime you can probably check out the Birthday Boys uh, if not you could probably just scam some of it off you uh, scam some of it off of YouTube um, or if you don't even want to go that direction I highly recommend you listen to the sloppy boys podcast because uh, they're very funny but uh, that was my favorite TV show of the year checking back in on a decade-old sketch show called the birthday boys all right let's get to so we just did album and TV show so let's get to uh, let's go with my pop culture wild card and I guess what I what I like about this whole situation it's it's very very recently. Um, in fact, it's really probably in the past week, so I'm just including this because it just kind of popped into my mind, even though it's probably technically rolled into the first year of, of 20 or the first week of 2024, whatever it counts. Um, and it, it's my complete ignorance of this situation. 
um, the last like few days, last week or so, uh, there's been all of this like uproar about Stanley Cups, and I swear to God, for the entire the entire time, I didn't really bother to like really didn't bother to look into this anymore. I just kept seeing article headlines about Stanley Cups and people stampeding each other at Target for Stanley Cups, and I literally just thought that's very interesting that people are this into hockey now that I, I thought these were like replica. I literally thought these were like replica Stanley cups or something that possibly you could drink out of. Like there were, there were mugs or whatever. And I, I'm just in my head and I'm like, I don't, I don't know why there would be a rush on this kind of stuff, but whatever people love the strangest things. And, um, it turns out it's just a steel mug, um, that some people actually think is fairly cheap. Um, and kind of falls apart, but, uh, this is like a big deal apparently that, uh, some kind of special edition mug. I don't fucking know. I, I am just, I am just utterly delighted that as someone who is very tied into pop culture, obviously I do a pop culture podcast. I'm very tied into pop culture, but I was just so, it just is so funny that like, the blind spots is uh, Chem and I had, had an episode about our, our pop culture blind spots and how big some of them are. Like I've never read or seen a Harry Potter movie and I a book or movie and I don't plan on doing it. Um, so, oh, well, I'm ignorant to it. This is one of those other things that I'm, that I'm completely ignorant to. And I am delighted and happy that I'm ignorant to this kind of shit because I just don't, I, I just don't know who could ever care about getting a certain type of, of steel mug with a fucking sippy straw attached to it. I, I don't understand. I, I buy the, I, I am a person who buys like the cheapest kind of one sitting right next to me here. You can kind of hear me shaking my water around. Um, I'm the person that buys like the kind of cheap generic ones off of Amazon. And guess what? They do just fine. Uh, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't have to get into fights at target to get them. So the whole Stanley cup situation, um, I just, I just find it, I find it all very delightful and very me that I had no idea what it was actually about. So let's jump now into my favorite movie that I saw this past year. I watched several movies this past year uh, that were all new to me, um, but one in particular stood out as being a, as being particularly creative, um, you know, really kind of driving home in a very simplistic ways, a very interesting sci-fi concept and being amazingly blissfully short. Um, I think it's like 86 minutes. And in those 86 minutes, you still get a great concept and great execution of this concept. I'm um, talking about the movie from, I think, believe it's from 2014. Uh, it's called Coherence. And uh, I guess the basic synopsis of Coherence, without like spoiling too much, um, is that uh, friends, friends gather in Los Angeles in a house to... There's a comet passing by, and uh, everyone's going to go watch the comet. Uh, now, if a comet pass is close by, as they're kind of purporting in this particular movie, we would all be in grave, grave danger. Uh, things should not be this comet should not be that close to Earth to the Earth. Um, let's just put it that way. Uh, that means they're probably going to collide with us. But throw that aside. Um, the it's throw that aside. Um, friends are gathering to watch the comet, and the comet, uh, you know, the the celestial unknown nature or I shouldn't say unknown nature, we know plenty about comets, but sort of the the um, the comet brings about sort of, um, bends sort of, bends the, the laws of physics, if you will, and causes our, um, causes our watch party, our group of people, 
to experience um, alternating branching realities and alternating branching versions of themselves and also kind of confront confront um, you know their sort of their worst fears about themselves and each other and I know that I'm kind of downplaying how great this movie is with that synopsis um, it, it believe me it's kind of lacking but it, it really the even like the IMDB one isn't much better um, but what they on a, on a basically on a what really kind of stands out in this movie is that it's a movie with almost, I mean, I shouldn't say almost, it's a movie with no script and it's just, uh, it's just cues and sort of general ideas about like where the scene is going to go to try to really elicit real feelings and uh, real reactions when, when the directors do, uh, you know, do something, when they do go for a kind of a jump scare or, some kind of like mind fuck moment, uh, if you will. So there's no script. There's just an idea. And because there's no script, the actors have no idea, uh, what, what the director told one person, you know, if there's like a, a dialogue scene, you know, between two people, the director told them two different things. Um, you know, they, they know what the, what the, they know basically what they're going to be discussing, you know, whether it's, um, in like in one scene, this guy talking about, uh, you know, a TV show that he used to be on, you know, as a, you know, as a kind of a series regular or whatever. He knows that that's like just the general information that, that both actors in the scene know, but they're given different directions that neither of them know about um, to sort of drive a more, um, I guess, a more authentic conversation around it. This is very much, I I, I think it's more, I think it's several notches up above exper- experimental filmmaking, but it still has very still has a lot of those uh, qualities of experimental filmmaking, but for a kind of a highfalutin sci-fi concept, you know, branching alternate realities, uh, this is done on almost no budget with a relatively speaking small cast, and very clever ways to sort of track and chart the the different realities that our our dinner party uh, gets sent through. It's absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. Like I said, this is very much in the realm of things that I like anyway, like uh, like the Benson and Moorhead films, um, like uh, you know, not too unlike that movie uh, Triangle that I reviewed. Um, it's all in that same vein that I would kind of call uh, new weird cinema. So uh, my favorite movie of last year was Coherence. Check it out. All all right, and we'll wrap up with my favorite social media follow, um, and I, this is going to be a twofer. Um, uh, I couldn't really decide between the between the two of them, so screw it. We'll we'll throw them both in here as two of my favorite follows from this past year. I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with the um, with the fitness one um, that I really really enjoy that has become a, an endless resource for me. And I follow now uh, Squat University on Instagram, but Squat University you can find a YouTube page and a website and everything else. It's uh, the social media channel for. Uh, Dr. Aaron Horshig, uh, who's, um, I guess he's, what, an exercise physiologist, doctor of exercise physiology, uh, probably in physical therapy as well. A guy that works with um, professional athletes of all kinds, football players, weightlifters, uh, you know, Olympic weightlifters, powerlifters, um, all kinds of athletes. And he gives you, um, obviously he's got stuff to sell. So, you know, get that out of the way. You know, it's, it's, it's not like it's, there's, it's not like it's, just coming with uh, with no strings attached here. He does he does have stuff to sell. However, the the advice that he dispenses on sort of on technique 
and how to recover, how to prevent and recover from injuries um, is absolutely, has been an absolute goldmine for me and is an absolute goldmine for a lot of people. Um, you know, he does a really good job of breaking down the, breaking down the reasons why, uh, you know, you might be experiencing pain and, and the, there's always the caveat. This might not be your specific, specific problem, but this is something to check in on. Like if you have certain, um, if you get certain knee pain, uh, when you squat or when you deadlift or whatever, maybe try this as a, as a sort of solution for, for the pain. Cause a lot of times the, the discomfort, the pain that you get when you're exercising, or not even exercising, just sometimes the pains that you have in your body are, they don't, you know, it's not just like, oh, I got a cranky knee. Um, I need to take some NSAIDs or whatever, which you, you know, you still should do, but it, as you know, he'll get down to the root of the problem that like, yes, you know, you are getting knee pain and you should, you know, watch the inflammation or whatever, but what's causing your knee pain is, um, you know, is a, a muscle instability in your quad. And here's how you fix that. Or here's how, you know, you determine if it's that, that's a problem. And then here's how you fix that. And that's the kind of advice that you're getting from Squat University, from Dr. Aaron Horshig, that there are under, there are other factors at play when it comes to, when it comes to your health. Um, there are other factors, you know, there's technique factors that come uh, when you're exercising and you're lifting. Um, you know, good technique obviously always can kind of help you significantly minimize the risk of injury, but also other little technique tricks and things that will help you or little tricks and things that will help you build technique. Um, so you do get better at, at, you know, whether it's squat, whether it's, um, you know, Olympic weightlifting stuff, whatever. Um, it's been, he's been an absolutely invaluable resource to me personally. Uh, and I think uh, we need to spread the gospel um, of, uh, of squat university as far as we can. So squat university is my first social media follow that I really, really enjoy. And my second social media follow that I really, really enjoy is weather Adam. And this is uh, Adam Kruger, weatherman for the CW in Houston. And this is, this guy's fantastic. He, he's a big, he's, he's a, he's a big pop culture guy, big music guy. And he sneaks in song lyrics into all of his weather forecasts, his weather reports. So everything from Metallica to Lil Jon, um, you know, to some classic rock, whatever, he will sneak in uh, song lyrics of all types into his weather reporting, weather forecasting, whatever. Just think about that. You know, think about your think about your local meteorologist, whatever, wherever you live, and and you know they probably get like two or maybe even th- probably two blocks of about like four minutes or whatever to go through the weather forecast. In that four minute uh, block that uh, that Adam that Adam gets, he will sneak in solidly six to seven different references to a, a particular song. It's absolutely fantastic. It makes me laugh every time. Highly recommend you go out there and check him out. Uh, Weather Adam is the real deal. He's he's hysterical, and it's one of those it's one of those accounts that. And this is so why I chose these two. Weather Adam is one of those accounts that just makes me laugh, brings me a little bit of joy throughout the day. Um, and Squat University love love getting the great advice, love getting the love getting the technique kind of fixes, and the um, the sort of uh, the sort of the idea that um, there's more that you can do for for yourself than you probably are already doing. All right, uh, I think my time is not bad at this point. We'll see. Um, so let's get into the stuff that I'm annoyed by, and this should be a little bit quicker. These are kind of just these are just more or less like two minute rants essentially against stuff. Um, 
But I did want to talk about um, the first thing I want to talk about are that I'm very, very annoyed by are what I'm calling TikTok songs. And it seems like I know I know that I've mentioned this before in a previous episode, maybe not this past year, but in years past. I know I've mentioned it before, but it seems like it's ever present now that we are the the music industry is skirting so close to social media now that prominent artists are writing songs very clearly that are explicitly to be shared in 15 to 30 second chunks on TikTok or Instagram or wherever else. They just, there's, they're, they're almost timed up to the point where you can imagine someone, you know, someone making a video of them showing off their outfit or something. Like they, they come out of a room and the song is already almost like set up for the, for a certain, you know, for the drop in the beats or whatever, or certain lyrics to kind of pop up. It's, it's not even necessarily that the songs are bad. It's that they are so well made and so well structured for for social media, for TikTok, for Instagram, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that they are ever fucking present on those platforms. That you cannot escape a Bad Bunny song. You cannot escape um, Nicki Minaj, a Nicki Minaj song. It is everywhere because they are so well made. And so, and, and made very clearly to me with, with, um, with being shared as wide as possible in social media, because quite frankly, the, the attention span of young people is, is infinitesimally smaller than, uh, than when I was a kid. And so, you know, it, m- making sure that there's a bad, bunny, I don't mean to pick on bad bunny necessarily. Uh, I just, I'm just thinking of one of his songs in particular that I hear all the time. That's as, that is you know, even if it's a, a fucking 10 second video with the Bad Bunny song in the background, those, you know, those billion 10 second views of something uh, of this song are just as good as, you know, streaming the whole song. It is it is just as good for business. So it's not surprising to me that we're seeing so much of this. It's just fucking annoying. And kind of uh, in sort of, a, I guess, a, an adjacent rant here, um, I'm very i guess more perplexed than annoyed but still annoying i'll call them i'll call these like the rise of the algorithm videos where certain people have figured out how to game how to game exactly how uh tiktok and instagram present things to people and so when you get when you start to get those like recommended videos um it'll be in something adjacent to like what you might be interested in so just for an example, as someone who, you know, already mentioned a fitness account, um, you know, I follow certain fitness accounts um, and certain athletes and, you know, power lifters and stuff like that. So my recommended videos will be filled with these like five second videos. I mean, literally, they're only like five or six second videos that absolutely they, they are adjacent to what I'm looking for, um, but like they will torch then they will then torch my my algorithm um, and and really begin recommending some bizarre shit to me. So, uh, gosh, I don't want to get I don't want to get too far into this because make it, I'm going to make this sound more salacious than it actually is. But I'll I'll sort of leave it like I'll sort of I'll sort of skip, try to skirt the salaciousness. But I follow up like I said I follow like a ton of athletes uh, on on Instagram for example, and are some of them better looking than others? Absolutely. There are some, as it turns out, 
there are some very good Olympic athletes, very good looking Olympic athletes. Who knew that being in the best shape of anyone in the world makes you attractive? Um, but because I follow in particular, you know, because there's some track athletes or whatever I follow, that, that seems to be where it's coming from, uh, at least for me. I now get like these sort of really borderline pornographic recommendations based off of like some of the track athletes that I follow. And it's just like if if you there are days where I'm scrolling through and it, it's just an endless parade of these sort of, of of these videos that just I can't seem to shake. I I cannot seem to shake them no matter what I do. Um, and God forbid I accidentally click on one of them or one of them looks like a legit video and it's just like five seconds of some woman doing something that um, I'm not here. To, I'm not trying to be the moral police, by the way. I don't really fucking care. Uh, but it's just like it's just like a click on that and even seeing it for a few seconds then reinforces the algorithm and i'm sure you know and, and then thus i'm gonna get cascaded with more of this bullshit and i'm sure it's the same for a lot of people out there that there are just these videos that seem to break your algorithm they're kind of like what you're looking for but really not um and there are people that clearly have mastered or have at least figured out something um to make sure that certain videos are appearing in a, in front of a large audience. And it just, it just kind of, it just grinds my gears. All right. I have one more kind of social media annoyance here. You can tell in general that I'm just annoyed by social media. Um, as someone who has to, who doesn't mind it, but also it has to kind of persist on it in some degree to some degree. Um, I, I really don't like most of it. And one that is, I'm, I'm going to present one that I like, in terms of the the concept, but the execution of the people that are associated with it, that are fans of it, is terrible. So I've been following uh, Joey Swole uh, for I don't know past year and a half or so, and I, I think I feel like he was I feel like he was also like a YouTube person prior to becoming an Instagram person. Um, but he's a big big fitness guy. Literally, he's a very large man. Um, but his whole kind of shtick is calling out the the rude assholes uh, who kind of ruin gym culture for everybody. And in particular, there's a lot of videos where there's a lot of videos where it's especially men. Um, I should say, especially men are sort of the centerpiece of a lot of these videos where, um, you know, it's a woman filming themselves doing some kind of workout and a man being nearby. And, you know, they get called a gym creep you know, for being nearby. And, and I'm not here to, to try to make this into a sexist kind of thing. Uh, so I, I want to make that very, very clear. These are definitely, these are very visibly, um, issues wherein one person is sort of one, one person is using the leverage of their, of their, um, kind of captive audience to kind of paint people in a certain light. I mean, Really and truly, these are very obviously like, um, you know, a guy walking in the background of your video who glances towards you for two seconds, not even two seconds, a second while you do an exercise is not a gym creep. It's just a guy walking through your video who happens to notice that you have like a giant tripod or something up. Um, so it's it, this is sort of this is definitely the stuff that like it's it's bordering. It, it borders on like harassment, essentially, um, on the one side. And rightfully, Joey Swole is calling these people out. Um, there's one particular, particularly egregious one where um, 
where a guy literally this this woman had set up um woman had set up a, a tripod like essentially like in the middle of a walkway and so people were walking by and she was it, she was so pissy that people dared walk in front of her camera and it was just you know th- like that's the kind of stuff that this guy's calling out i'm sorry i'm, I'm getting getting long-winded here but the point being that people people definitely need to be called out on that sort of toxic behavior like first off you're making a video for the internet anyway. So what do you care if someone looks at you or, you know, you're making a video in a public gym. So there's a good chance that people are going to walk through your video. You're allowed to edit that video and not get pissed at people. Um, Those people definitely need to be called out. And I'm glad that they are being called out. The problem is the, a lot of the people who follow Joey Swole and it's, uh, he has a large following. It's got to be a couple million people. Um, a lot of these people don't know how to fucking behave. They they will then, you know, it's like it's sort of one thing to go, you know, there's like sort of a, uh, what's what's Joyce? Joyce Swole has a, has a, oh, mind your own business. is Joyce Swole's sort of, uh, you know, catchphrase for this persona that he's created. And there are people that will go on to, you know, they'll find out who these people are um, and go on to their pages and, you know, you know, tell them like, Hey, you know, don't be such a gym. Don't be such a jerk in the gym. Mind your own business. That's fine. But then there are a lot of people who go way, way over the line who began hurling, who began hurling, uh, you know, insults about someone's physical appearance or, you know, telling someone that they're a piece of shit and they hope they die. And it's, it really does. There's, there's some, there's been some interesting stories written about Joey Swole and this sort of gym positivity movement that he's uh, that he's in favor of, and the, and this sort of calling out, calling out these people for you know what they're doing. And on the one hand, I do think that I do think that you, I do think that some of these people need a a little smack on the wrist, basically a little slap in the face, like hey, you can't do this. You're being a sh- you're being a shithead. Don't call out people specifically. Don't record people, um, you know, without their consent. There's a, there's a lot of videos that he has of people. Uh, taking videos inside of locker rooms and there's naked people in the background. It's it, quite literally everywhere in the United States. It's illegal to film in a bathroom or a changing room. Um, so like, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Call that shit out. But like wishing death to the person who filmed a video, telling someone that they're, you know, that they're, that they're like fat or ugly or whatever, like the, the good thing, the good thing and maybe the necessary thing is dragging so much garbage with it. And that's the problem. It it really kind of, I'm 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 very sort of, again I, I like the idea, but the execution by the people who are following Joyce Wall leaves quite a bit to be desired. And I really wish, I think the I think the next biggest failure here is that he has never once made a video saying, please don't do this, don't you know, don't go onto someone else's profile, and you know levy you know levy death threats or tell them that like their kids are ugly or you know that whatever it is don't call people's jobs um i think that's happened a couple times um where you know people have tried to get into contact with other with the with their employers like that's not you're you're going many many steps too far and he's never once made a video that i've ever seen condemning this and that's sort of like that's the problem here and I know he's never going to make a video uh, condemning this because he'll probably lose a chunk of his viewership 
of his followers um, if he were to do that, uh, a significant chunk. But I think it would go. I think it would go a long way if he were to, in fact, say something about the way that some of these people behave towards you know people who have done something in some cases significantly wrong when it comes to you know showing nude people you know nude people in the backgrounds of videos who clearly have no idea that anything's happening um you know that's like that's like i said that's literally illegal in the united states but people who may be fucked up by just like laughing at someone in the background doing something whatever like that's yeah you know still you shouldn't do it but like these people don't need their lives ruined over it either so that's something i wish um i i something that really annoys me and i wish the person who is who literally is steering the ship would actually say something because it actually might go a long way to, but it might go a ways to fix some of these issues. All right. And lastly here, this will be a very quick one. And I think I'm going to get close to my target time here, but probably not. Uh, last quick one here. Um, it's just, it's sort of a, a continued complaint about the Marvel universe um, and the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, and it's, I've noticed this rise of, um, you know, I've noticed this rise again. It's a, it's an algorithm thing, but I've noticed this this rise on social media of these sort of retro, these like retroactive sort of fan theories about older movies and things. Um, one that I saw recently was about how um, uh, Han Solo from Star Wars is actually Indiana Jones, and I can't remember exactly how the theory is, theory goes. But this person is, you know, putting up this fan theory about, um, you know, Indiana Jones taking place sometime after, I believe it was after, no, sometime before um, Star Wars. And I can't remember exactly the rationale and reasoning, but basically they took Easter eggs from all of the, from all the Indiana Jones movies and all the Easter eggs from the Star Wars movies um, that it, wherein anytime Indiana Jones was mentioned, uh, and, and something from Indiana Jones is mentioned in Star Wars and vice versa. That was sort of like credible proof that um, credible proof that uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones are the same person. Um, and I, I've, this is not the only one. There's other ones I've seen too, where other movies and other sort of you know distant franchises from like the 80s or 90s are kind of pulled into this idea that that one character is another character, or this is actually a prequel for this, and blah blah blah. There's more, there are more like this than you realize. And it's because Marvel has broken, Marvel has broken people's fucking brains where everything needs to be attached and everything is a story and everything's a part of everything else. What, what really, when, especially when you get down to this, like Indiana Jones, Star Wars one, the Han Solo and Indiana Jones thing, what those are called people who have seen too many Marvel movies are Easter eggs. And that's what they've been for decades and decades and decades until this fucking monster was unleashed on us about, a, about uh, you know, tw what, 12 years ago now, 13 years ago now. Um, this, those were just called Easter eggs. And they were just little fun treats for people who enjoyed other movies and who enjoyed movies in general or, you know, you know TV shows, whatever. And in particular, those Steven Spielberg and George Lucas put those Easter eggs into their movies because guess what? They were friends and advised each, advised each other in their movies and talked about their movies all the time. So putting, um, you know, Obi-Wan as a, you know, putting Obi-Wan, the name Obi-Wan on the tail of an airplane wasn't some bizarre connection to, 
to Star Wars, it was just a tip of the cap that Spielberg was giving his buddy George Lucas um, in, in, the, in, in the Indiana Jones films. That's all that is. It's not a connection. None of these are connections. They're just little funsy things. And I, it, it's, and I know it sounds like I'm, it sounds, I do sound like the old man on the porch right now telling people to get off his fucking lawn. But it's just sort of this, I, I, I do kind of worry about the future of, of movie making and t, you know TV move all 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 vis, all visible visual entertainment media. I do worry about it that the the people who are who have kind of been raised on this sort of um, marvelification of of cinema and TV shows and everything else that like that's like those are going to be the people that are going to be writing and directing things for us in the future, and it just fucking makes me worried that we're going to see more of the, like that's going to be their sort of default go-to and there's never going to be another story written ever again that doesn't have some kind of goddamn backdoor connection or even some very upfront connection to something else because one that's how these people have learned to view movies and view tv shows but two studios and executives are so beholden to certain data points um certain certain data points and certain like margins in, in terms of uh certain margins in terms of like acceptable um you know criticism and you know engagement scores and blah 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 all that kind of stuff that that's just how fucking tv and movies gonna be made from now on that everything has to be connected to everything else it's fucking annoying it's disgusting just think not everything is connected and quite frankly the better things are you can tell the quality of a movie let me backtrack here real quick i'm gonna I watched a couple of the Die Hard movies recently, and in the original trilogy, none of the none of the three movies in the original Die Hard trilogy were conceived as sequels. They were all obviously the first Die Hard is Die Hard, um, based off a book, um, but the second Die Hard was a different script that they thought after a couple of revisions and passing it around, they thought you know what this could be made into a Die Hard movie. This could be a John Mc- another John McClane adventure, and then the third one. After, you know, kicking around the script for a while, for a little bit, they went, you know what? We could turn this into another John McClane um, adventure. This could be the third Die Hard movie. But you can tell all three of those movies very succinctly begin and end without any threat of you. (laughs) I call them threats now. Without any threat of there having to be something else. They are all self-contained movies. And you know which two movies in the Die Hard series really suck? The two that were conceived as sequels. The fourth and the fifth one really suck um the think the fourth one's a little bit better than the fifth one but the ones that were conceived of as direct sequels and were planned as sequels you know and pulled at the at the string you know involving his kids and um you know do, getting some closure with uh with holly um the ones that were conceived as sequels suck shit i'm just saying there is there is something about making a complete and total movie that is self-contained and has no reliance on anything else tends to make a movie better because I don't know about you. I hate doing fucking homework when I'm trying to watch a movie. All right. And that's it. That is the first of our loose ends episode are my favorites from this past year. Um, and in true nature being as long winded as I am, uh, I have gone over the, the time that I was trying to hit in about 30 minutes. Uh, but, uh, it happens. It is what it is. Uh, however, that's it. I'm not going to continue with this much longer. Stay tuned next week. We'll have a few more Loose Ends episodes for you then. So uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, 
Don't forget to review. Leave a thumbs up somewhere. I don't know. Just thanks for everything. We'll see you next time. Trying to get out of here fast. Oh, this is still going on, isn't it? God damn it, I can't help myself. Okay, bye.